0: and I'm down to dunk. This is Hugh and I'm down to dunk. I'm Josh Giddy
1: and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hussle and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Bazley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Kapoku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Salmon Toast Crunch. Oat brand. Oh, I can hide these? I'm gonna share with my team, but I'm a hog monster. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Uh, what's up, Andrew? Uh, we have one bit of news before we dive into Summers of Sam Volume 2. Is the blue are gonna play at the Paycom again? Which means, uh, Woo! You know you can go to, go to lunch. You can go to lunch at a blue game. They serve food there. Get yourself get yourself a, uh, a Schwab dog, and uh, you can probably yeah? go watch Poku and Teo play all season down no, there. No, the come on, com. no! Don't send Poku back there. I I have no reason to think that he wouldn't be there at least yeah. some. Right, uh, I feel like yeah. There's plenty of reasons why he, it's this it's
2: year three, year three of blue basketball, baby. Yeah, I do. I do. I do think that you'll get to see some of the the guys, though. I mean, you get like, to see
1: Usman probably.
2: Yeah, I. I, I mean, I, I. I think of all the players, Usman would benefit the most.
1: Yeah, probably the other Jalen Williams will be playing. Jay Will, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. I mean I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Definitely. Yeah. I mean Jerry played for the blue last year, some too.
2: Yeah. So, so yeah, there, there might be some some games worth watching.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I went down there for a, a noon game once to watch Poku against the Kings. He was terrible. Um but it was fun. And
2: o- us- Usman would be the uh the highest drafted player to ever play in the G League for us, right?
1: Ooh, good question. Yeah, I Thank
2: could, you. There honestly aren't that many other guys. I was going to say, like,
1: <laughs> the chance, because I don't think Steven played for the Blue, did he? And he
2: was drafted at 12, I think.
1: Yeah. And obviously Josh didn't play uh, for the Blue. And then the Blue didn't exist. It was the 66 sixers back then, but you wouldn't send Russell Westbrook or Kevin Durant or James Harden. Right. There. So... Yeah, I I think that would probably be the case. The highest drafted Thunder player to play for the Blue. If maybe Usman Jang is just awesome and he doesn't have to play for the Blue. But if he does, he'll be the highest drafted player. Uh, is that is that a uh, a claim to fame?
2: Um no. <laughs> but it I I'm I'm just I'm just setting up the Blue season. Like if he did go okay. down there, okay arguably the most exciting blue season, the most exciting time to go watch a blue game. True. You can get to see Usman Jang. They'd probably give him like the alpha role on the blue. Hey, let's see what you can do.
1: Yeah, it's true. So that might there's, be fun. There's no Xavier Simpson there to take off all the possessions. Um, yeah, he got he got signed by the uh, Magic, he did. right? Yeah, uh, another bit of news, mm-hmm. I lied. Uh, Poku and Nikola Jovic are not going to play for Serbia. Quote from the Serbian team: We did not get permission from their teams. Ooh! So the Thunder don't want him playing over there. They need him here, working on his shoulders.
2: Wouldn't it be better for his kind of like global status as an NBA star if he could, you know, stamp stamp himself, stamp Poku on the world, on the world stage?
1: Yeah, maybe they're protecting him. To a degree as well. Because if the whole
2: world... No, no. Yeah, because he he's playing for Serbia. I mean, they're a
1: good team. Yeah, what if he doesn't play? Well, yeah, that probably is the case. <laughs> he probably would not play. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The Poku saga continues. Who knows what, what will happen. It's a big off, It's a really big offseason for him. I mean, and even Sam talked about it, that if... The players that are on the current team don't have good off-seasons. They will get left behind. You know, like it's like a direct quote from Sam at the end of the season. So it's really important for players like Poku and Teo and all these guys to have really good summers, or else they will absolutely get left behind.
2: Um, Alan Smiley, Smiley, yeah, he's on the Serbian national team.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
2: Nemanja Bejlica, Milos Teodosic.
1: This is like the Warriors All-Stars here. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of Warriors.
2: Um, okay, those are the only names. Oh, Boban. Boban is on the national team.
1: Oh, nice. Oh, maybe, maybe spending a little time with Boban would be good. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, okay. Alex Bullerjack <laughs> says that his his uh, little man turns one today. A DTD celebration is only right. That's right, right in between my, uh, my two kids, my my son's birthday my youngest son's birthday was monday my middle son's birthday is tomorrow so it's a birthday week kids birthday well
2: happy birthday uh okay you ready to jump back in summers of sam summers of sam volume two
1: let's do this
2: now uh so if you didn't listen to the pod last week go check that out what we're doing is we're uh giving grades to Sam Prest, all of Sam Presti's off seasons. We started with 2007, the KD draft. They weren't even the Thunder; Thunder didn't even exist back then. We did 2008 with Russell Westbrook, 2009 with James Harden. So those are some heavy hitting summers. Big In com- comparison, we're about to fall off a cliff for 2010. However, yeah. I wanted to bring up before we get started, Andrew. Uh, I'm assuming it was Andrew that did it. Posted a question to Twitter. It was me. What was your reaction in 2010 when the Thunder traded the 11th pick and, or traded for the 11th pick and drafted Cole Aldrich? And uh, OKC for Life responded, wasn't a fan yet, was barely three at the time. Lol. So I didn't have a reaction. (laughs) It was uh, one, a good reminder of how old we are. (laughs) Two, like realizing that. Th- this Thunder fan like was five yeah. when the Harden trade happened. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about things that happened when I was five. That would have been like 1992.
1: Do you have I, I have memories no, of being five. Do you even I have, have no recollections. Of, of sports? Five.
2: Yeah, uh, but I, I think this is really cool. I think it's cool. I'm glad we're doing the Summers of Sam because imagine if 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 you were uh, this person and you're listening, this is like a nice little history lesson. It's for true. a lot of us it, it's it's a, a stroll down memory lane yeah but for some thunder fans out, this is actually a history lesson they they don't even have they don't even remember what it was like to hear the james harden trade or
1: or the cole aldrich trade this they is i don't even remember what that feeling was like this is thunder hardcore history yes you ever listen to that pod the all the history? time oh my gosh yeah unbelievable it's so good
2: uh yeah, my my wife loves the way he says "again" because he says it like "again", again. and "again" and "again." <laughs> it is like it is an extremely violent podcast. Yeah, especially the the one he did on the Pacific War. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um. Okay. So 2010. So we're coming off a a, a run. Andrew, KD, Russ, Harden, three straight MVPs. At this time, we are we are still very worried about the center position. Yeah. You know, oh, we, we've definitely. had the the Nad Chris experience. Yeah, you know, we've done that. Who who else has been a center? I mean, I I'm Itan, sure Johan Itan, Petro
1: got some minutes. Yeah, Itan Thomas was a center for us. Yes, we yes, just didn't have. Eton we just Thomas. didn't have one. We just were like, yeah, we yeah. don't have a center. C- sort of s- similar to these last couple of years. Yeah, that was the. It was yeah. one of the final pieces. You know the last At time that t- and, and like now it's this it's taken two drafts but also like three like big like moves to get here right um so
2: in this draft the thunder make a big trade on draft night oh man where they trade the 26 pick which is the one they got in the kurt thomas trade yeah. which we mentioned a few in the last episode and the 21st pick the two guys taken with those picks, Quincy Pondexter, who I did like once upon a time, yeah, and Craig say. Brackens, who yeah. I believe was from Iowa State. Yeah, he was. And they traded up for the 11th pick and Mo Pete, Yeah. Now, first of all, just like remove all the names, can you imagine in today's NBA getting the 11th pick
1: for two picks in the 20s? This was this is one of those trades that's similar to the Kurt Thomas one because the, one of the big reasons that it happened was because... The Hornets were in trouble financially. Yeah. And they needed help. And taking on Pete's contract was like one of the big reasons that they got this deal done. Yeah, they got these additional picks, but like we need financial help. And if you can satisfy us with like a couple of later picks, great. And yeah, there's no way a trade like this would happen today. You know, this is this is definitely like an early odds trade. You know, where it just doesn't – Trades like this don't happen anymore uh, that are, like, strictly financial. Part of it is that the league is in such a great place right now that most teams aren't struggling. And also, teams are just smarter these days. And it doesn't cost as much to get off of – you know, people ask – and maybe even, like, people will trade their future picks. Like, we got the future Jazz pick, you know, in the Derek Favors deal um but yeah on draft night you just don't see these kind of trades happen
2: and so there we were we were in norman uh me and luke lived together at the time watching this and right when the trade is made i know who they're picking i instantly know i know why they did this it's going to be cole aldrich yeah i was so hyped i thought cole aldrich because I purely was thinking about it in a stats way. And I was thinking he's a 10, 10 and two blocks guy. I was thinking in fantasy terms, <laughs> he is the next Al Horford is what I was thinking in my head. Yeah. And I was so hyped because like I mentioned, all we wanted at that point was just give us a center. If yeah. you, we can just get a center. Cause we had Jeff green. Yeah. Like we had KD, Russ and Harden. Like yep. all we need is a big guy, just yep. find his big guy and we're good to go. And we weren't good to go. Uh, Cole Aldrich
1: was the eleventh pick. The the one thing I will well, say about this draft: Can you remember why we felt hyped about him? Like, what were the reasons that we felt hyped about Cole Aldrich? Because we, I felt the same, and like other people had commented the same. Like John Ham commented, "Like, great, now we don't have to try to cobble up a trade for Anderson Veriau or Kendrick Perkins." Or there are other people yeah. said that they were hyped about it. Like, what was it? Because we just saw him high in mock drafts. Was, I mean, I remember Bill Simmons and Chad Ford did a podcast where Simmons was hyping up Cole Aldrich saying, like, he's just a starting center. He's going to be, you know, 12 years in the league, pl- you know, contributing at a high level. Like, what were the things that got you hyped for that? I, I like,
2: honestly think it was that he was presented, mm-hmm. like, you knew it wasn't Demarcus Cousins who was in that draft or even like Greg Monroe. Like, you knew you weren't drafting a star. Yeah. But at that point, it felt like it was like a plug and play. Like that's how it felt. Yeah. It was like just get this guy, put him in the lineup, and you're good to
1: go. Like set it and forget it, Andrew. It's Cole Aldrich. I know. That's how it. It did really feel that way. I went back and watched some of Cole at Kansas, and like one thing that really should have been a huge red flag is just the way he runs. He runs with like his whole body is just moving in like this like almost like gelatin, you know. It's just like what like when you hit gelatin, like if you had like a big like bowl of gelatin, you hit it the whole thing just kind of moves in waves. He kind of runs with his whole body as if his body were made of gelatin. Like that was a it was it's not good. And and as we'll get to, like he was off the team in like 2 years. Yeah, like, Did, they, he, he, they didn't play him, and they and he was like this <laughs> throw-in at the back end of the Harden trade, where it was just like, you know what? Yeah, we think we made a mistake. We made a mistake with yeah. that one. And you look at the draft too. You look at the pick eleven. Like, who else would you have rather have the draft? That draft kind of was terrible. It was a really bad well, draft.
2: And that's why when we get to the grades, like it's hard to get too angry because if you just look at this process-wise. Like, just trading two picks in the 20s for the 11th pick is a huge win right there. Yeah. Going after your number one need and taking the best player available, which we would have said that at the time. Yeah. Like, that's a huge win. And then you look at the rest of this draft, like the next couple names off the board. Now, now first of all, the names before Paul George went at 10, Gordon Hayward went at 9, yeah. Alfred Camino, 8 would have been nice, even that. Greg Monroe at 7.
1: Alfred Camino wasn't good, though. Like I don't think whoa, he would have really whoa, played whoa, on this team. Whoa, whoa! What? Early year, Alfred Camino was not good. Oh, early, early year. Yeah, he he
2: had a nice season though in Portland. Yeah, he had
1: like one nice season in Portland where people thought he was. Yeah, good. it would have
2: been nice to have that one nice year, Andrew. <laughs> he would have been long gone by the time he had the nice year. Okay, my point is there were some <laughs> nice names after him though. Xavier Henry, yeah. Ed Davis, Patrick Patterson, Larry Sanders, who I did love. Yeah. Luke Babbitt. Kevin Serafin who was on Ugh. many a fantasy team Ugh. and then we get to Eric Bledsoe which they actually had that pick yeah. so like those are the names and some of those guys I mean Ed Davis you know he definitely had his moments we we saw Patrick Patterson we had Patrick Patterson yeah but there's no one that you're like well we missed out on a Giannis or something yeah
1: I mean if if you were like man like who would if you're taking a big who should they have taken it's probably Ed Davis like yeah, Ed probably Dav- Ed Davis Ed Davis ain't changing nothing for you
2: he would have been I mean he would have been solid, you know, to have around. Gosh,
1: Cole Aldrich was a junior.
2: I know. He was a, he I think he is their oldest he's definitely their oldest uh lottery pick they've 21.
1: ever twenty one. He was almost twenty two by this time. Yeah, almost twenty two. Which is the same thing for is is J Dub almost twenty two? He's like twenty one. Um but still a junior A junior big, and not just like any. junior, A junior big man, like you draft a junior guard, like some of those guys can be fine. You draft a junior big man where we've seen a lot from him already, and he played well in college. He was blocked, but it wasn't like shots.
2: Yeah, he 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 averaged eleven and ten as a junior in college. Yeah, like solid player. Like, and he he was good. He was like consensus All American. He was uh, a. Two-time Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, like he yeah. averaged three and a half blocks his his junior season. Yeah, he was a champion. You know, Kansas won while he was there. Yeah, but yeah, it it uh it didn't work out to say, to say the least. <laughs> now let, let me read some uh some of the grades. Yeah. Well, l- let me tell you who else they drafted. Number thirty-one, Tibor Pleiss, ah, who, more Place. Ah, Tibor Plise. We we said his name so much back oh, in the my day. Word. Yeah keyboard place because we, we didn't know who he was, but we learned how to say his name. He could and be anything. He, was, he could be anything. And he was pick 31, which like nowadays, like we would have been hyped on whoever that is. Yeah. 48 Latavius Williams, who we did like because he was a guy who had skipped college. Yes. And had been playing in the G league. And so there was like this mystery surrounding him. Like, cause he was a, he was a high school prospect. Like people really liked him in high school. He was a wing. Yeah. And that, that was exciting. And then Ryan Reed. Who I, I like remember Ryan Reed's name, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, super old, um, like very unskilled, big guy. Yeah,
2: and, and actually, before I get to the trade grades, there's one other or draft grades. There's one other trade we should mention, which is they had. I mentioned they also had the 18th pick. Yeah, so they came in with the 18th, 21, and 26. They traded the 18th pick, which turned into Eric Bledsoe, mm-hmm. traded it to the Clippers for a pick. I looked up the protections on that pick. So they traded it for the 2012 Clippers First. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be top 10 protected until 2016. In a vacuum, like this is very similar to moves that they have made in the last couple years. Yeah. Like the, the Denver move, the Shengun trade, yep. like trading a current pick for a pick that has more upside. That pick, the Clippers pick. 2012 first, only top 10 protected and out for 4 years. Like that's pretty solid. Like you're the Clippers weren't good that year, 2010, right. and you're thinking, okay, eventually we're going to get like a late lottery pick. You wanted a Clippers pick back then. You wanted a Clippers pick the very next year. They traded for Chris Paul in December. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was and it was all over. And like so 2010-11, so this is the 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 first year Mm -hmm. after after this draft they were 32 and 50 39 winning percentage would have ended up somewhere between the 11th and 14th pick Mm -hmm. if we had had it in 2011 but we didn't have it until 2012 the next year they trade for chris paul instantly they have a 61 percent winning percentage and like it's over the value of this pick has evaporated for all of time
1: and they also traded that pick in the perk deal
2: they did so that that was another factor. A lot of people bring up like, oh, Eric Bledsoe would have... In fact, the NBA Draft.net grade was a C plus, yeah. Okay, it's a good Easily the winner for the most confusing draft. The Thunder have a great general manager, Sam Presti, who outworks his competition. They entered the draft with one glaring weakness at center and addressed it with two decent big men available. Aldridge could start right away Ugh. ahead of Nanad Kristich. Agree, agree and they got him for good value in a deal with – it's actually New Orleans. Buying place was a nice move that could pay off one day. Williams is a player who could make the roster from day one with good D-League experience under his belt. Oh, (laughs) D-League. Ryan Reed was a big reach who wouldn't have stood a chance of being drafted had the Thunder not went out on a limb with him. In short, no great picks, but a pair that could be useful in building a promising future in the small market. The Clippers' future first-rounder should end up being better than number 18 overall – Though Eric Bledsoe would have been a nice addition. Yeah. And I don't... I mean, obviously, just in terms of value, he definitely would have been. Um, you know, the next year, they end up drafting Reggie Jackson, who we'll talk about. You know, so so they went for, like, a similar type of player.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I had also heard that if would. the Thunder kept the pick, they were going to take Avery Bradley. <laughs> oh, oh, Yeah. <laughs> Which would have been really nice. Who would have been like the time. player that we were missing in that entire era was just a guy to play off ball that could play yeah. great defense and make a shot.
2: But they but at that point, you know, they had Tabo, they
1: had James Harden. So like, I know. you kind of understand it. I yeah. I mean you do, but you don't. But also if they, they know, you know that there's a chance right now that James isn't on the team you know they you th- you think they were thinking that in 2010? Oh, 2010. I mean, no. I'm is sorry. It, this is no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm getting lost. I'm getting lost in Summers of Sam. No. Lost in the sauce. But obviously a mistake. Uh, a, a mistake.
2: Yes. Uh Chad Ford gave them a B+. I just wanted to read what he said about Aldrich because this is this should have been the warning sign. The Thunder's target at number eleven was Aldrich, a true rebounding shot blocking center. Aldrich fits a need for the Thunder in the middle where he could provide the kind of defense that Joel Prisbilla has given the Blazers. Oh my gosh. I remember people comparing him to Joel Joel Prisbilla, which should have been a, a red flag. It should have been. I mean, I listen, Joel Prisbilla had some nice years. He had a couple okay. nice years,
1: yes. But still, that
2: guy in the lottery. But still, like he never averaged more than six
1: points. In a, in a season. What's the And that's yeah. who's getting compared to what's the comp what's like the current Joel Prisbilla comp in the NBA?
2: Uh, I mean ideally it's like like, like Mason
1: Plumley. Uh, yeah, although Mason Plumley's better. I know. But that's so. <laughs> the thing. The the bar, it's funny. Like the bar to be a big man in the NBA has been raised almost every single year. Especially since like Shaq has been out of the league, because Shaq helps so many like uncoordinated, like not good players like get paid and get in the league because they were just there to stop Shaq. They were just there to guard Tim Duncan. And like now, if you are gonna get cooked on the perimeter and like in a switch, like you're just done. Like you can't play. If you don't have some kind of foot speed as a big man, you just can't play. And that just wasn't the case back then. Yeah, maybe like a Robin Lopez. Like, Robin is still probably better than Joel Prisbilla. I think he is. Because the thing is, Joel Prisbilla would not make the NBA today.
2: No, he would not.
1: And it's just funny that that's like, that's because that's, I remember Simmons comparing him to Joel Prisbilla too. Like, there's just nobody. And people are like, Jay in the chat, Pertle, like Pertle's a thousand times better than Joel Prisbilla ever dreamed of being. And, and honestly, really good.
2: who they ended up trading for this next season, Kendrick Perkins was kind of like the better version of Joel Prisbilla.
1: Yes, he was. He had a little bit better foot speed. He's more athletic than Joel was, but then he had the knee problems, which kind of right. led to like stagnation and almost like regression for him. But yeah, that's the thing and that maybe you couldn't see coming at the time because at, at the time like just having these big guys was just a thing it was like a, a Bill had a 13 year NBA career like unreal he wouldn't get drafted today like Drew Timmy <laughs> like think about Drew Timmy like think about how skilled Drew Timmy is like what a good basketball player he is he pulled out of the draft cuz i don't think he thought he was going to get drafted anywhere near the first round like Drew Timmy was a lot better college basketball player than cole aldrich you know back in 2010 drew timmy would have been a top 10 pick i mean there's just no question in my mind that he would have been and like now it's like can you even draft him just like the Um, the bar for big men is just so so different today than it was then real quick uh
2: (laughs) Chad Ford said Ryan Reed is the most random pick I've ever seen in the late second round. He averaged just six point eight points as a Florida State senior last season. He's a tough physical defender, but everyone was shocked when he was taken. So this was kind of the first of like the Josh Hustis, uh, yeah. Who, who's the recent guy? Oh, Veet Veet Krejci, like yeah. type of pick.
1: Just like yeah, what in the world? Yeah, Veet was is funny because, uh, Vicini didn't even have like the does like a uh, basically writes an article for like a hundred players and he didn't have one for beat crutchy and Veet went 37th and he's like wait a minute like okay i don't like he had to go like go write something really quick because i think he was on like a live show at the time it's just funny
2: um before we leave this summer there were a lot of trades there were actually f- f- five trades I didn't mention that the way they got that 18th pick was that they had traded a 2010 second, which was number 32, Dexter Pittman to Miami for DaQuan Cook and the 18th pick. Yeah,
1: this is bizarre. So
2: I'm assuming that was that was another like cap clearing thing for Miami because we got DaQuan Cook, who ended up being you know a fine player for yeah. the Thunder, like- plus a first for a second, another trade that wouldn't have happened
1: that would not happen today. Yeah, without, without a doubt. Yeah, those especially with Miami. You know, I think right. I think also like and we'll talk about this a lot throughout this particular show, but like I think part of the the reason why teams are better is because the fans are so much smarter now. Like you can't you couldn't get away with a trade like that today cuz you would get roasted by Twitter and everybody that writes like there would be like, emergency pods. The gamification of fans like has put pressure on teams to be smart. You couldn't you could do a trade back then like that because like Twitter was like in its infancy, if anything, and like there weren't like these conversations about team building as much then. It was like, well, they oh we got so and so, cool, you know, oh we got Daquan Cook, cool. Like, do we even understand like the value of a first round pick back then? Like what that looked like, like I don't think we did. I don't think very many fans did. And now, if you're like a true NBA fan, you are like dialed in, and you know the value of these picks. And like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that we got this and this and this. You know, you knew, but back then when the Thunder made that trade, you're like, what is that? I don't know. We got who did we get? We got the shooter guy. Cool, I like that. Oh.
2: You know, just just the series of events over a couple of days that led from a 2010 second turning into a future top ten protected Clippers pick like yeah. that. That's the series of events that happened. Yeah. Plus Daquan Cook. Yeah, we would have been freaking out about that. Oh. Like that is an incredible haul. Yeah. For a second. Yes. And that's why, like, oh now now that we we're getting to the grading. Oh by the way, we did sign Royale
1: Ivy. As free we agent. did. Shout out Royal Ivy. I saw him hugging and shaking hands with Kyrie Irving right in front of me at Summer League. Uh, he's, he's, he, he's, I would consider him a thunder legend. Man of the people.
2: Yeah. Uh, the previous season, Kevin Ollie. Now we got Royale Ivy. I think Derek Fisher is going to be the, the next season. Oh my gosh. Um, second in the long line. Yep. Okay. So if I was grading this, obviously, What we actually came out of it with, not great. Not great. But the process of this summer was like one of the best. The process, like what we came in with and what we turned it into, we came in with 21, 26, and number 32. Yeah. And we turned it into a future top 10 predicted Clippers pick and number 11 in that draft. Like that is an insane haul that if it happened today, we would be talking about how – I mean, it, was, it would be like a classic Presti trades, like series of moves. Yeah. So even though nothing good came out of this <laughs> offseason, I'm still going to give it a C.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, part of it was just the draft that they were into. Like if they were at pick 11 in next year, if they got pick 11 next year, like you have your pick of Clay Thompson, Alec Burks, the, Mar- the Morris Twins – Kawhi Leonard, Vucevic, those were the next picks in in that draft. Obviously, 11 was a good one. But even you go to 12, you have, like, maybe this is a bad – nope, this is a bad example. Maybe this is just as bad. Um, I'm not even going to say the names. They're terrible. Um, But in, like, any random draft, pick 11 is a lot better than this. Like, Steven Adams went 12, you know, in a bad draft. Um, It's just – kind of crazy how that draft just like dropped off a cliff, you know, like Dario charge went 12 in 2014. Like there's good players that get selected in that range typically, but that's like, that's the sweet spot range too that I talked about. And like, it wasn't sweet yet. There was nothing sweet about that spot that year. It's, it's filled with like a couple journeymen and like Ed Davis and Pat Patterson and guys that were out of the league really fast. And, Cole and Xavier Henry and Larry Sanders. It's just Luke Babbitt. It's just like, oh gosh. It was such a bad bad range of the draft. I'd still probably give it a D just because you left that draft with nothing that helped the current team. You know,
2: which this is coming off the uh Lakers series. The they're they're, you know, 50 wins, they yeah. make the playoffs, they're playing the Lakers. Everyone's standing ovation after game 6. Yep obviously a ton of momentum and the idea that that team would get to add a another lottery pick yeah is is pretty amazing
1: yeah and they just so, missed out on Paul George just met out missed out on Gordon Hayward you know if you end up with one of those guys like you're cooking with gasoline like I mean it's just like this is insane but yeah it's um yeah I think Obviously, the process was good. The res- the results is D <laughs> because, like the pick is the pick you got from the Clippers ended up being fine and useful in a, in a future trade, but you got n- you essentially added nothing to help push the team forward. Oh, well, Andrew's tough grader. Andrew gives a D.
2: I give it a C. We got to move on, Andrew. We're already at thirty three minutes. Okay, two thousand eleven. <laughs> we have to get to the Harden here. We we cannot only do two. <laughs> Okay, 2011, this one should be pretty quick. Yeah. Because, first of all, I think the only summer where they make no trades, the free agents, nothing, no free agents. Yeah. So, to set the scene, this is coming off now of the Western Conference Finals appearance against the Mavs. It is so
1: crazy that they got to the West Finals that quick. I mean... I don't think Thunder fans even understand at the time. It just felt like, oh yeah, we're in the West Finals. This is cool. It is such a big deal to get to the West Finals. I just,
2: well, yeah. Now we know. Now they tell us, Andrew. (laughs) Back then, it just felt like,
1: oh, great. Like we're still winning. Cool. We just had no concept for like what that meant, and I didn't either because I was a Shaq fan. Like you're just supposed to get. To the to the Western Conference Finals, you know, if you're Shaquille O'Neal, Like you're just you just have to. So this is the draft that they had the twenty-fourth pick.
2: They draft Reggie Jackson. And uh, some some names that went after him. Number thirty, of course, Jimmy Butler, yep. thirty-one, Boyan Bogdanovich, who did not come over for three seasons, though he would have obviously been really nice. Chandler Parsons, who had some nice early years, and then Davis Bertans at 42. Uh NBA draft.net gave it a B minus. Not many scouts focused on Jackson during the season because few thought he would be entering the draft. But once they did, they liked what they saw. And there's no disputing Pressy's track record for finding talent. Reggie Jackson is a nice offensive talent with great athleticism and a huge wingspan. Six, three, seven-foot wingspan, Andrew. Yeah, pretty well. Nowadays, we'd get get pumped for that. But it's questionable (laughs) how he'll fit in with the Thunder if they cannot trade Eric Maynor by the beginning of the season. Look for them to find a way. I think they found a way. Uh, Jackson Jackson offers the team a more similar type of play as Westbrook so the style of game won't change when Westbrook exits the game Yeah, Um, I gotta read some of these other ones though Chad Ford B+. I'm not sure how Jackson fits in with Russell Westbrook and Eric Maynard on hand already but he's a talent Jackson's agents tried to hide him from every team in the first round so he could get to Miami Mm. not the Thunder But the Thunder swallowed hard and took him anyway. This was a case of a team taking a prospect it believed was the best player available and it could pay off down the road for Oklahoma City. So the whole idea at that time was that Reggie Jackson shut down his workouts because the Thunder had made him a promise. Right. And the reason why everyone thought that was because this all happened right after he worked out with Oklahoma City. Right. But Reggie Jackson actually talked about this a few years later and said, yep. after a workout in Oklahoma City, I came back and played pickup at my school. My knee, normally I could feel it tweaking, but it always got better. It got worse this time. I went to the doctor and found out I couldn't go for about a month. So I, I actually think we like remember that wrong. And it, according to Chad Ford, it was Miami who had made the promise to Reggie Jackson mm-hmm. and not Oklahoma City. And it was actually a big deal for Oklahoma City to kind of go out on a limb and take this guy who who they probably knew at that point had been promised by Miami. Who took Jimmy Butler at thirty?
1: Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, that is wild. <laughs> Wait, you said um, Miami took him at thirty? You mean the Bulls?
2: Oh, the Bulls. Sorry, I was already thinking of of Jimmy on Miami. Yeah,
1: my so uh, Miami took Norris Cole at twenty eight.
2: Norris Cole. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Future, last one Future I want to read though. Because...
1: Norris Cole. By the way.
2: Yeah, when was that? I remember being excited about that. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was they picked him up before the playoffs one year and he, he uh he played
2: anything. with he played with LeBron.
1: He did. He did that. Okay,
2: bleacher report grade. F. F. F, Andrew. This pick makes next to no sense. The only real <laughs> positional need they have is small forward, and Kyle Singler would have been a great backup for <laughs> Kevin Durant. To which I would say, hey, just wait a few years. You're gonna get just your wait. wish. <laughs> Uh, no. Reggie Jackson is a scoring guard. Don't they already have one of those and couldn't you argue he cost the Thunder a finals berth? This is what I actually wanted to talk about this season. So this is coming off of the Mavericks Western Conference Finals series, which went five games. The Thunder lost four to one. Our listener who was four at this time, yeah you know this is they're not gonna remember what that series was like. They're just gonna look up and say, oh, the 2011 Mavs eventually won the title. The Thunder lost in five games. Like They were a super young team. Awesome that they made the Western Conference Finals. When we talk about like missed opportunities for the Thunder, this is the year that, in my opinion, gets way overlooked because they could have won that series. I want to read you some stats that will blow your mind from that series. Russell Westbrook in that series, 36% from the field, 20% from three, five turnovers a game. He was benched. For the entire fourth quarter of Game Two, yeah. a game in which OKC won yep, one hundred six to one hundred, yep. he Scott Brooks went to Eric Mayner yep. in the fourth quarter of a Western Conference Finals Game Two. Westbrook was an All Star and second team All NBA that season, and was benched in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. It was, like it was when the you right think move. about, yeah, it, it was the right move. But at the same time, like when you think about how this franchise eventually catered. To like everything Westbrook wanted, it, it's it's just it's kind of fascinating to look back and realize like Scott Brooks of all people benched
1: Russell Westbrook. All-star, all NBA Russell Westbrook. This this was the, the case though for a lot of the year is that and, and it's why there were like debates about like is Russell Westbrook a point guard? Because Maynard was like the quintessential, like slow it down, I'm gonna control the ball, I'm gonna make sure I make the right kind of pass. You know, I'm gonna get Kevin Durant open, kind of point guard, where Russ was just like a Ferrari that you threw like you just chunked bricks down at the accelerator, and like he just went, you know, wherever it went, and it was that, right. and he just learned to gain control of that through time. But he had like the most spectacular and like a lot of like if you're if you're four, then you don't remember but even whenever you were <laughs> 10 or 12 like, you remember Russ making boneheaded decisions then it was like times 10 back then you know he still had like the flair for the spectacular like way up like stuff that no one else could do and then there's times where you're like what is he doing like why are you taking that shot what is going on here like we need eric mayner out here to like settle this thing down you know that was a theme of that entire season was that like, Russ was still, like, this, like, out-of-control, like, animal, you know, to a degree, where he's just, like, going everywhere, like, taking crazy shots, but also, like, winning you games, because he would make insane plays. You know, he's either, back then, he's either winning you games or losing you games, and he was winning more than he was losing, but still, like, he would have games like Game 2. And,
2: yeah, he had games like Game 2. I would say that that series in terms of like the bad Russ good Russ narrative that's yeah. what brought it to a national stage mm-hmm. because so so they win game two it's 1-1 they lose game three which was a, a like kind of brutal loss in that Dallas was ahead the whole game but OKC made a run at the very end and just couldn't close the deal but you were like yeah. oh man we were so close then game four happens OKC has a 15-point lead with five minutes left in the game. Yeah, I remember that. In the final five minutes, Russ went one for five from the field, missed two free throws, and had a turnover. If he hits one of those free throws, the Thunder win the game. It's 2-2 going into game five. They end up losing in overtime in game four. That game in particular is one of my earliest memories of disappointment with this team. because. You know, the prior season, like losing in six to the Lakers, there's you know no oh, disappointment
1: there. It was, we were all just happy. It was like, we're happy to be here kind of feeling.
2: And I think in retrospect, people think that way about this Mavs series. But at the time, it felt like we are right there with the Mavs. And if we can just get an average series, because KD's stats for that series, 43% from the field, 23% from three. If you just get average series... From Russ and k d they probably push it to six or seven. They definitely push it to six because I mean that they don't give up a fifteen point lead with five minutes left, yeah, I think that series goes seven and and like who knows, like they were good enough to win that series.
1: they were, but like the age of these guys, man, like Westbrook who was, cares Andrew Westbrook, was as we 12. would learn, Westbrook was twenty two durant was twenty two I mean. Ibaka was 21. Harden was 21. I mean, this is, and I brought this up. I did a, this short little podcast on Dream Team last week where I just talk about like the age. Like the ultimate exception to the rule was this team. The ultimate exception to young teams lose was this team. There's been not in the last 15 years has there been a team like this where it's, you have guys 22 and younger leading you to the Western Conference finals. I mean, people think of the Grizzlies as like a, and the Grizzlies are another example, like an exception to the rule, but they're, they still are like their average age of like 23 or 24. Like they're not that, they're not this young. You know, it's, it is, it is, there's not another team in the last 15 years that was able to do something like this. It's it is absolutely insane, and I think that's part of like where our expectations come from as a Thunder fan base to a degree too, is that we have seen this happen, we've seen this come together so quickly, and it's probably why people are getting mad at me that I think they're going to lose again. It's like no, 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 we've we've done this before. Like they're gonna they're gonna win, they're gonna go to the playoffs, things are gonna be great. Like, teams that are one, there's been three teams in the last. 15 years that have been 22 average age of 22 or younger. It's this year's thunder, it's last year's thunder, and it's the year before year's thunder. That's the three teams. The three youngest teams. And like young teams just don't win except for this one. Like except yeah. for this one. So,
2: I uh, found a uh, ESPN off-season questions article. About OKC, and I I just think this is good because it kind of puts into context where we were as a franchise. And so this is—they used to do those like five-on-five, where they'd have five writers answer five questions. So Royce answered these, Mark Stein, and then a few other uh, uh, blog guys. So these are the factor fiction questions they had about the Thunder after that Mavs series loss. Factor fiction: The Thunder should explore trading Russell Westbrook. That was the first one.
1: Anybody? Three of the people
2: yes three of the five said fact wow uh royce and some other random guy were the only ones to say fiction yeah but just to put that in context like that's what people were talking about after that series that's how bad that series was that of course we forget about it now because then they made the finals and it's like Mm -hmm. who cares they were super young What, what do you expect of them but that's how people were talking after that season yeah fact or fiction it's time for james harden to start at the two
1: did anybody say fiction
2: uh, yeah. Some people said fiction. Good they Lord. were still thinking Manu. This is Manu. But Royce didn't. Royce said fact. He needs to start. Uh, factor fiction. Kevin Durant will become the best player in the NBA. Factor fec- fiction. The Thunder have solved the four and five positions because this is coming off of trading for Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. So now you have a front line of Abaka and Perk. Yep. And then factor fiction, the Thunder will win the West next season. Um, wow. So that, that's kind of how people were, th- the, the main topics of conversation Westbrook about Thunder all, at that like time. Westbrook
1: was polarizing from day one, where it was just like, <laughs> yes. we lose in the Western Conference Finals when we're 22 years old, we should trade him. And the, like you shouldn't have traded him then, but when it came down to like the Harden or Westbrook, like, what could you have gotten? There's, there, we'll talk more about that, but like, there's so many things that could have been done differently um, around the time of the Harden deal. You know, so looking back at
2: that offseason, there's not a lot to go off of you know, I give it a solid B, like Reggie Jackson gave okays, like for that draft, a good pick in that range, gave the Thunder some good years, the the Grizzlies series in particular in a few seasons. so I, I I give it a B. It wasn't franchise changing, but it was like a solid draft for what they had what assets they had going into it.
1: Well, that's why I would argue you give it an A. Like you, I, I just
2: I cannot. It, it, listen, if you want to grade the summers that they got, KD, Harden, and
1: Russ, the same as the summer you grade the Reggie Jackson. No, that's, but that's pick. not it. That's not it. I'm grading it based on what they had. They have the twenty fourth pick in the draft, and you get a guy that's going to have a, you're going to have a season where he's 13, four and four, shooting thirty four percent from three, and helping you win a playoff series. Great, like. You don't draft that guy at 24. They didn't draft that guy at 11 the year before. Yeah.
2: I don't know. Jimmy Butler was there. Would have been arguably like the perfect player for that era of the Thunder. I guess.
1: like early Jimmy Butler was like just really good defensive player. Jimmy, you think Jimmy and Russ and KD is a, is a personality obviously like reggie's personality i mean didn't work uh, out either. apparently it was off the rails
2: anyway so uh, why not <laughs> oh you think reggie jackson was oh, i just said that
1: spg i just said that i know oh okay 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 but he still uh, helped he still helped them yeah i i agree like part of it is though like i can't go back and say like they should have done this or this it's like what did they do you know
2: Fine, I'll bump it up to a
1: B plus. You don't That's have you, you don't have to change your grade. I'm just telling you why I graded. Yeah, you you keep your grade where it is. I'm just saying that I think that for that pick, like the 24th pick, is usually nothing. Yeah. You know? Okay. Okay. Fine.
2: Uh, let's move on to 2012. This is where we're ending. I have five pages of notes. Um, let's let's get the easy stuff out of the way. This is the summer that they uh, signed Hashim to Thabeet. Shout out, in the Dream. A. Proof that they wanted him back in the James Harden draft. Proof that we dodged <laughs> the biggest bullet ever. Uh they also signed Daniel Orton, who we had uh, you know, cup of tea with. It enjoyed his time. Looked like a giant Russell Westbrook, yeah. Um, the draft. They had the number 28th pick. Who did they take, Andrew?
1: A guy that I have I was so excited. I was just irrationally excited to get Perry Jones III on, on this basketball team. Perry Jones
2: III, who I looked it up. Uh, according to rivals, he was the ninth-ranked prospect in his high school class. Yeah. Some of the names taken immediately after, Jay Crowder, Draymond Green, Chris Middleton, Will Barton. Now, what was interesting about uh, Perry Jones III is that leading up to the draft, you were starting to hear rumors about him potentially falling. But no one was expecting him to fall this far. So like Sam Amick, I found his mock draft 4.0. Sam Amick? Yeah, Sam Amick. He used to do mock drafts.
1: Wow. I got to ask him about this.
2: And he had Perry Jones going 12th. This is a few days before the draft. Yeah. Uh, I, I found the Simmons and Ford mock draft. Yeah. So Simmons took him at 15th. He said, Perry Jones, the third. He's too athletically frightening to dip into the second half of the draft. I just can't accept it. You should not be able to get Perry Jones with, say, the 19th pick. That's just stupid. And yes, I'm aware that Jones doesn't have a position, that the Josh Smith experience probably can't be replicated, and that Jones might be destined for a couple of great Rucker Park moments, and that's it. Josh Smith. Chad Ford said, Wish I could go with you on PJ3. I've loved him for two years and then got over it when I realized he's just a passive person. <laughs> he works hard. He's skilled. He's skilled but he just has no desire to take anything over. He wants to pass the ball and take jumpers. Guys his size just can't get away with it. Coaches will bench him, put him in the doghouse, try everything to motivate him, and then realize he likes to just run up and down the floor. If he had any motor,
1: he would be amazing. Chad Ford, the best in the business. I'm sorry (laughs) that he changed his mocks, but the dude was incredible. And that's another one. He just nailed that. So that was good. Like the most accurate description of Perry Jones. Holy <laughs> smokes. And also, like a big red flag for a player like Perry Jones is that he's a sophomore. A guy yeah. who is ranked ninth in his class is 6'11, crazy wingspan, like looks like an NBA All Star. Like, if you were to line up everybody in this draft and say, pick out five All Stars, you for sure pick Perry Jones. For sure pick him. And, like, it's a huge red flag that he had to go back to Baylor. It was. And, and it wasn't – it's not like
2: he was bad either at
1: Baylor. No, he's was – I mean, he couldn't be bad because he's easily one of the most skilled players in this draft. It's just and, the and mental think, stuff with him. And
2: I think it's important to say that if it was just the motor questions – he would not have fallen to 28 because Chad Ford came out after the draft and said multiple league sources say NBA team doctors are concerned about a meniscus issue in the knee of Baylor forward, Perry Jones, a third while opinions among NBA doctors vary on the ramifications. Some teams believe the knee could pose a problem down the road. And at some point require surgery. Not all teams have the same degree of alarm, but the concerns have caused his stock to slide from the mid to late lottery into the late teens and early twenties. And he actually ended up falling to 28. Yeah. So this, that was before the draft. Yeah. But but like you said, how excited you were! NBADraft.net, a CBSSports.com, a minus yeah. Bleacher Report, a plus. Like this was universally seen as like oh. the rich get richer. Yes. In fact, I read that that line in particular: "The rich get richer."
1: They drafted Perry Jones the third. It's it's kind Scary of season. it's kind of crazy because the end of the first round is so so bad, but then you read the second round guys. Like here's the here's twenty one. Through 30 in this draft. Jared Solinger, Fab Mello, John Jenkins, Jared Cunningham, Tony Roten, Miles Plumley, Arnett Moultrie, Perry Jones, Marcus T. Arnett Moultrie. Festus Azili, who was like name. the most successful of all of them. And then you go to the second round like 34, Jay Crowder, 35, Draymond Green, um, 39, Chris Middleton, 40, Will Barton. Like we just like missed on so many of those guys. Like all of those guys would have gone in like the lottery if you did a redraft. But like they were just all there. Like very good players, all star level players and like great like really good role players. Like the Thunder could have used Jay Crowder <laughs> like so much <laughs> through like this era. And you get Perry who's the probably like the antithesis to Jay Crowder. Just like crazy talent, length, athleticism, everything. Like Jay Crowder's just, like the six you know bulldog that just wanted to play basketball
2: um okay are you ready for the hardened trade we're at 54 minutes
1: yeah i'm ready this yeah we're going long obviously
2: uh yeah i have 30 minutes so that should be plenty of time so uh this is the the hardened trade off season yeah. it was made a few like a day before the start of the season or something it was like right uh, before the training
1: act- camp started yeah
2: yeah, so the actual trade was James Harden, Cole Aldrich, Daquan Cook, Lazard Hayward to Houston for Jeremy Lamb, a 2013 Toronto first, a 2014 Dallas first, and a 2013 second. The protections on those picks at the time, they would get the Toronto pick if it fell between 4 and 14, yeah. then it became top 3 protected in 2014, top 2 protected in 2015, top 1 protected 2016. And then the Dallas 2014 first was top 20 protected. So that one really wasn't that great. Yeah. Um, and, and before we get into the trade itself, that Toronto pick, previous two seasons, Toronto had won 22 and 23 games. This offseason, they traded that first, the Steve Adams pick, for Kyle Lowry. Yep. They selected Terrence Ross. They signed Landry Fields as a free agent, who ended up not being good, but they were actually signing him to try to get <laughs> Steve Nash. Uh, back in the day if i remember correctly yeah. and then in january they traded jose calderon and ed davis for rudy gay so they dramatically changed their team they end up winning 34 games i went back and it it doesn't matter for a bunch of reasons because one the draft was terrible and like even though they they started 4 and 19 that season but by the time they traded for rudy gay they were 16 and 29 which means they went 12 and 10 before getting rudy gay so they were already starting to win and like be a, just a normal bad team. Yeah. And so and because it was top 3 protected, like you're not getting Oladipo. I think the most realistic like upside of that pick would have been ending up somewhere like 6 and getting Nerlens Noel, yeah. who I think they would have drafted. I think that I think is like so the too. ultimate upside of what that pick could have been. Yeah. Which isn't so great, too. obviously.
1: <laughs> it's not great, but Nerlens would have really helped them at the time.
2: Yeah, because his first two seasons he was like pretty incredible in terms of like steals, blocks, center,
1: and, and also was, like the situation with the Sixers was so weird. It was just so so strange and just not a good. And it got him in just like a weird place where he ends up being like the hot dog guy with the mats.
2: but. But also led to him getting like a huge contract offer that he turned down. But like that's how down. people were thinking about Nurles yeah. just a few years later. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, Nurles would have been perfect for this team. I think.
2: Um, Oh, I left out that they got Kevin Martin, who I found a quote from Kevin Martin after the trade happened. Mm -hmm. This is what he said to Mark Spears. Oh my gosh. Feels like a dream. Sometimes words can't describe it. Kevin
1: Marr was good, man.
2: He was really good that year. He was, but remember like a year later, he's like bashing the thunder in the media, talking about like, you need guys who share the ball and stuff like that.
1: I'm aware. (laughs) I remember that. Do, do you have so your Morris quotes after the Yes, I'm going to get to those oh, eventually. Okay, okay, okay. Before we get there, let's start with where we were when we heard the trade. Oh my gosh. I was at home. The 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 buzz of the day, the sports day was that OU was playing Notre Dame. You know. Number and, 8 versus number 5. Yeah. Norman, Oklahoma. That was the big buzz. And then all of a sudden, James Harden gets traded and this is like right when you're on you're on twitter for the like the first time like like a big trade dropped um actually found an article where they published all the tweets from that night did you do you have that in your notes too yeah okay
2: well yeah so so i want to lead in though because like what was your immediate reaction because i it, i do not think this was as surprising as the paul george trade a few years later
1: yeah, like it this was, was in the ether. It was definitely it was at the time. It felt like okay. It's good. at the time it was like oh, it's either gonna be Surge or Harden that they re-sign. and they brought back Surge on like a really on a really good deal that you thought okay, they can probably keep Harden now, um, and if they don't, they're probably gonna trade him and like what's gonna happen. And at that time, you just kind of trust Presty because he had built this team that like was just like immediately successful, just like right out the gate. And so at the time I was like okay like I knew Kevin Martin was good I don't th- and uh, at the time too we didn't know how good James was like we just didn't we didn't but we should have
2: because I went back and tried to find a comp yeah like when has a like 23 year old six man of the year gotten traded like this
1: it doesn't happen and like daryl even like speaks to it in his quotes it's like this these kind of players don't get traded and it was a huge mistake and we should have known better i think part of it too was like james's talent and this is like so obvious in like the first the very first game that james played for the rockets like his talent was being like hidden or mitigated by like playing like under the like with these like stars and durant and westbrook that like he couldn't and he did it in spots but he couldn't shine you know like he would have if if like just if it were just he and uh durant you know well i was
2: thinking comparing him to tyler hero who exact same age this is tyler this was tyler hero's third season he won six man of the year like, they were in a very similar spot. Tyler Hero got to take 17 shots per game last year. James Harden, in his final season, took 10 shots a game. Yeah. And, like, so, like, yes, some of it was hidden. At the same time, like, Tyler Hero got to the line about three times a game last year. Harden was already getting to the line six times per game Yeah. In in that final season, which was already 15th in the league. Yeah for a guy coming off the bench he was already taking almost five threes a game which was 22nd in the league the 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 leading guy at that time was ryan anderson who took about seven threes per game Yeah. nowadays there are 37 players who take at least seven threes per game like he the the evidence was there we just didn't realize how important things like free throw attempts and three-point attempts oh, yeah. were going to be but like The recipe was there.
1: Oh yeah. For James Harden. Yeah, I mean he shot there were he scored over thirty twice that season. You know, um no three times that season. He scored thirty against Phoenix, he had thirty three against Charlotte, and he had forty against Phoenix. Like those are like his big games, but like the dude was in double digits like in almost every single game. I think there were four games that he wasn't in double digits. Yeah, I mean, the signs should have Gee. been there like and and also like the nitty-gritty stuff like we just weren't as into then. Like it just like I, the um, the amount of coverage like the NBA gets today in comparison to back then is just so intense. Even thinking about the Toronto pick for the next year, like how much did you track that Toronto pick? You know? Um
2: yeah, I remember being like interested in it. And thinking that it maybe had like a chance to be seven at the time. Yeah. And ultimately being like very disappointed that it
1: fell all the way to 12. But we didn't track it like we we tracked this Clippers pick this last year. Like, remember how, like, we were obsessive with it. Like, and and the whole fan base was. Like, anybody that's on Twitter and is like on Twitter to talk about the Thunder, it, man, it was like we were obsessed with it. And like we had an emergency pod, Bird Night Pod. When we knew that it was going to jump up, like if we if we knew it was going to jump up, then like we would have been like, "Oh, that's cool," you know. Like we wouldn't it wouldn't have been like this giant reaction to it, you know. It's just the amount that the NBA and the coverage and like the how like how to be an NBA fan, like how different it is, is just kind of insane.
2: Um. So to to your point though, that like we really didn't know what we had with Harden. That was true around the league. I found an article that Zach Lowe wrote that offseason about the idea of trading Harden, and he came up with five fake trades. Oh, I remember this now, very now well. We now, we all think Zach Lowe is like one of the smartest guys in the league. Yes. Who better would know the value of a player and be able to come up with some semi realistic fake trades? The, this is how he thought about James Harden based on these trades. First one, trade him to the Magic for JJ Redick and three first rounders, which honestly, like JJ Redick would have been really nice. JJ Redick would have been uh,
1: perfect for that team, but yeah.
2: Trade Harden to Houston for Kevin Martin and his expiring deal on in picks, including Toronto's pick. Or instead of Martin, get the picks with a young player or two: Jeremy Lamb, Chandler Parsons, Royce White. He wasn't even thinking of like combining those All that you them. would get both. Yeah, picks from Milwaukee for Mike Dunleavy Jr. and a young player like Deron Lamb or Tobias Harris. Send hard into Cleveland for something like Anderson Verizou and then Tristan Thompson or Dion Waiters, or trade him for Lou Williams and multiple first round picks.
1: Lou Williams.
2: Like you you read over those deals. The deal they got way better than any of those. Yeah. at, At least at the time. Yeah. In terms of like the amount you're getting back. So I think that's important to to recognize that like even someone like Zach Lowe wasn't valuing James Harden the way that someone like Daryl Morey was. And Royce wrote a few... This was either a few days or a few weeks before it happened. This was the end paragraph. He said, If the Thunder don't keep Harden, the 2012-13 season is probably their best chance ever to win a title. Yeah. Which was true. Yeah. While a deal getting Kevin Martin and picks or J.J. Redick in picks might benefit the team down the road... It will only hurt their current title chances. And after coming so painfully close to glory last season, you really think they're going to take that kind of step back? If anything, it would be about one last run at it next season and then trying to recover in 2012 or 2013-14 if Harden signed elsewhere. I have a feeling all this talk is going to look really silly when Harden inks an extension in the coming weeks. But until that happens, it's an unavoidable discussion. That's how we felt. like It was all out there, mm-hmm. but... None of us thought they would actually do it. And that's I remember my reaction was, wow, they really did it. It wasn't like, whoa, this just came out of nowhere, like the Paul George trade. Mm -hmm. It was like, wow, they actually went through
1: with it. Yeah, I remember feeling that way. And thought at the time, like, you know, this is a pretty good deal because like you get Kevin Martin who can play for you right away. That's helpful. You get this pick. And at the time, like Jeremy Lamb was a guy that had like won a title at UConn. And is, was like a nice player and thought to be like, okay, that's a great future piece. Little did we know he was just like Perry Jones part two, you know, when it comes right. to motor issues and stuff like that. And like credit to Jeremy, like he's like still in the league. He's like stayed in the NBA, you know, up to this point, but was never utilized like on the roster. You essentially just got one year of Kevin Martin and Steven Adams for, for Harden, which yeah. is... In retrospect, like awful, <laughs> and so, and I mean, and honestly, like the things that people think about today are, they did offer Harden for Clay Thompson. They oh, said oh no. are you getting? Le,
2: there? Le, let me read some of the ones. Okay. I actually don't have the Clay Thompson one, but so so that was out there as well that they had offered him for mm-hmm. Clay Thompson. So this was from the Washington Post. The Washington Wizards turned down a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder for James Harden this summer because team own- owner Ted Leonsis was unwilling to commit to what have been a roughly eighty million five-year contract for the high-scoring player, <laughs> according to multiple people. The Wizards would have sent rookie guard Bradley Beal and second-year forward Chris Singleton to the Thunder in a return for Harden, winner of the Six Man a Year award. So that was out there. Like yeah. we all, we all kind of know that
1: one. That that's the- that's also the one that is like best-case scenario for both teams.
0: Because if the the Wizards
1: end up with James Harden, like the history of the Wizards is so, so different. Like you can build, at the time, you could just throw random dudes on the team and they're instantly good. Oh, well, the the Wizards haven't won,
2: haven't had a 50-win season. Right. And James Harden is like a walking 50-win
1: season with anyone around him. And like Beal is the perfect complimentary player. And like we're seeing that now. It's like Beal can only take you to like 40 wins if he's your best player. And if Beal is your like third best player, like that's that's when you are in the money.
2: Now, the team I didn't remember at all. So there were some rumors about Dallas, but Dallas was more like they're willing to give him a, con- a max contract next summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Dallas thing. The other team was Phoenix. Yeah. So their GM at that time was Lon Babby. Lon Babbie said what happened. He said, The talks boiled down to the Suns having to part with a, quote, substantial player, another asset, and two first-round picks. In the end, it became a simple question of whether the team thought Harden was worth two first-round picks. Could they afford to mortgage their future for the potential of Harden becoming a star? Babbie ultimately decided the answer to that was no. The team would not divulge on the details of who was involved, but said to, quote, use your imagination as to who the Thunder were targeting, which is such a funny quote, because if you go and look at the Suns roster at that time, my reaction was, I have no idea who you're talking about. Who could you possibly be talking about on this roster? Now, the the people who wrote this article, this was an SB Nation article, they said, if the Thunder were looking for a significant young player, another asset, and multiple picks, the the best the Suns could offer to the naked eye would involve who? Markeith Morris, Jared Dudley, and picks? Or maybe Marcin Gortat? Maybe, quote, this is Lon Babby. Maybe we already have our star player, said Babby with a (laughs) wink and a smile as Goran Dragic practices free throws. Michael Beasley rifled up more catch-and-shoot threes, and Morris (laughs) took a quick water break. Maybe they do.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The leading scorer for that 2011-12 Suns team, you know who it was? Uh, Was it not Dragic? Dragic wasn't on that. wasn't on the 11-12 team. Oh, um, who Dudley, Marcin Gortat? <laughs> oh, yeah, and at which fifteen, actually... fifteen, and fifteen ten and a block was the that's that's your stats leader for that team. Don't
2: you think that that was the target though? Because the next season they drafted Steven Adams.
1: Yeah, he, Marcin Gortat by that time was twenty seven.
2: But if if they had any concerns about Perk, which it feels like they did, but by know, the but next season,
1: I know. But they traded, they traded. I mean, I don't know.
2: I don't. Do you? I don't. Do you think, think they would have gone for Markeith? Like who? who like uh, that's what I'm asking. Who were they possibly
1: asking for? It had to have Suns? been about the. It had to have been about the picks to me. Like I don't know who. The, there's not a. The only substantial player on the team was Steve Nash. Right, and he was 37. It's, so like that's not the guy. Like it was the. It's the weirdest team because. It's like the. I mean, this is just a team in the middle. You know, my guess is that maybe it's Markeith Morris. Is, yeah. is the only guy I can think of. Like and the only reason Marcin Gortat put up fifteen points a game is because he had Steve Nash as his point guard. Right. You know, and maybe Jared Dudley would have been part of the deal, which like he would have been a helpful <laughs> player, but like he's s- been cool still. I mean, I I, I mean, you still maybe maybe you want the Suns picks, you know, but maybe you don't. Because you add James Harden to this team minus Marcin Gortat, like you can replace Marcin Gortat. They had Robin Lopez on that team too. They would have been just fine. Really dumb. Really, my line, Babby. oh my gosh, unbelievably uh, dumb.
2: Okay, so I want to read. There's so much. I want to read Woj's article that yeah. came out immediately after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the whole thing, but just first of all, he said what Presti's original demand were mm-hmm. was. Kevin Martin, Chandler Parsons, Jeremy Lamb, and three first-round picks, including Houston's own in 2013. That's where he had started the conversation Uh with Daryl Morey. Uh Woj said, The impact on the Thunder locker room won't have the dark fallout some fear. When word reached Russell Westbrook late on Friday, he was disappointed Harden was gone, loved him as a person and as a teammate, but he wasn't devastated over the deal. Privately, Westbrook loved how Presti had strengthened the back of the Thunder roster with two rookies, Perry Jones, and Jeremy, Jeremy Lamb, Lamb which Gosh. is very funny to think of Westbrook being excited about those two we guys. We all
1: felt that way though. We all felt that way. Remember it was yeah. like Thunder U at the end of the bench where like they would be just destroying teams. And then you would get like the Reggie Jackson, Jeremy Lamb, Perry Jones that would go out there and play and like this is the future of the Thunder. Like it, it felt honestly it felt a lot like when like the young guys for the Warriors get in like last year. You know, yeah. Except, except the difference in ages between those t- two groups were like three years, right? I but know. yes, yes. But it did feel that way, though, because <laughs> yeah. And it, and it wasn't even about the age; it was like it's just about like the stratospheres of like these guys are already at the top of the NBA. These guys are just starting their journey, you know.
2: Um. So continuing on, Russ always admired how Martin had scored. Uh, Kevin Martin, uh, Senator Kendrick Perkins also had privately told people he believed a trade was inevitable. To a man, none of the key Thunder players were surprised this happened and none are conceding championship aspirations. In some ways, they can all breathe out now. This is the team and now they go forward. When the rest of the Thunder were celebrating a Game 1 victory over Miami in the locker room, Harden could be heard grumbling over too few shots, five, and too few minutes, 22. Veterans Derek Fisher and Perkins laid into Harden, telling him essentially, we just won an NBA Finals game and the last thing in the world that ought to worry you are your individual statistics. Harden apologized, but it was clear his mindset wasn't right. He never found his way back into a proper rhythm in the finals. Yeah.
1: And that's what, and at the time, too, and you'll, and I, I read this like a hundred times this morning. I'm sure you did too. That, and like, I think Ben Gulliver wrote about it. I think that, um, who else wrote about it? Howard Beck wrote about it, was that it was just all about the, the luxury tax and the money. And honestly, like a lot of the reason that James Harden didn't remain in Oklahoma City was because he didn't want the role that they were offering him. Which, totally understandable, obviously. It it was the right (laughs) move for James. And like the right move for the Thunder, though, was not making sure that he was amenable to that. The right move for the Thunder, in hindsight, is like you just give him the max extension and then if it doesn't work out, you trade him on a max extension where you can probably get more. because And, and that's why
2: so much is talked about the luxury tax. Regardless of if they, if they had extended him or not, they still had one more year at $5.8 million. Exactly. The whole luxury tax conversations wouldn't have really come into focus until the following summer. Right. So even if you let him wait and go to restricted free agency, someone would have offered him a max and then you match then it you or match you decide it. not to and do a sign and trade. Yes. Or if you just offer the extension... You still have a year to figure things out. You could trade him at the deadline. You could trade him next summer. You could trade him the following deadline
1: and it still wouldn't have affected the luxury tax yet. Yeah. I mean, just giving it a little bit more time. You probably could have gotten Bradley Beal. Where like the the Wizards see it, and they're like, "Oh, okay, that guy. Okay, we'll do we'll do it for that guy." You know, or even the Warriors at the time who weren't the Warriors yet. This is 2012. Like, you think the Warriors, if they would have saw that he was this guy, would have traded, would have made the trade? Absolutely. And that's why when
2: we talk about the James Harden trade, knowing, and the, and the Thunder knew that, like they knew that the luxury tax concerns weren't really going to be an issue for another year. Yeah. That, that makes you feel like then you read this Woj article, like it was definitely because of behind the scenes thing uh, in terms of the timing why they
1: made that deal. Yeah. Um, Skip Bayless had it perfectly on, um, what was it, first take, I guess, is what it was called back then. Um, I actually have the clip of Skip Bayless. This is how you know that you you are in a bad place when Skip Bayless nails it.
0: He backed it up and made a resounding statement that echoed all the way back to my hometown of Oklahoma City. You blew it thunder. James Harden, Listen, he brought that team back last night, Stephen A. That that was not a simple game to win. He'd had no practice time with his new team. Mm -hmm. They are down eight with 9.22 left, and they won by nine, mostly because of James Harden. And I'm going to take one more step back from this. And the more I look at it, the more shocked I am that the Oklahoma City Thunder didn't at least play this out for the year. Because clearly they took, you you disagree with this, they took a big step back with an eye on the future at the expense of this year. I don't get it. Because they could have played out this year. They could have done a sign and trade for James Harden. Or silly me I, I thought about this you could amnesty perkins and you could just flat out open your pocketbook and pay the luxury tax that it would cost to sign james harden to a max it was doable i i know some of those owners there stephen a they have a whole lot of money serious money and it's almost like on principle they said we're not going to pay that much luxury tax why not there he is beast mode 37 and 12 assists in Detroit come back win and you don't have him. What are you doing, Oklahoma City? And what are you doing, Stephen A, picking Oklahoma City even though they don't have James Harden anymore?
1: He nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. This is after James Harden's first game with the Rockets. And Yeah, and I remember he, that game. That was brutal. It was so it was so brutal. And he like he nailed that in every aspect. Like you could have waited. You could have done. You could have amnesty Perkins. Like there are other ways to mitigate. If you're worried about the money, like there are other ways to handle this. And like the the amnesty Perkins thing was like that was a huge thing. That was like a Bill Simmons, like Bill Simmons. I don't know how many times he said amnesty Perkins like on his podcast. Probably like a thousand times. You know. And like,
2: well, and that factors into the idea of waiting too, because like even if you don't want an amnesty perk, you could wait till the next summer to do it. Yeah. Like you didn't have to do it right then because, again, Harden was only going to be $5.8 million that year. Uh, I wanted to read – well, first of all, did you know who James Harden's agent was at the time?
1: Uh, I don't remember. Rob Palenka. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, okay. This was from News OK. I- I'm assuming it was Darnell Mayberry. I couldn't find the actual it article. Been, yeah, it probably would have okay. been Darnell. So it says, James Harden boarded an airplane Sunday morning bound for Houston. He was, quote, devastated, said someone who knows the bearded one. Harden and his family both said Harden was stunned that the Thunder actually traded him to the Rockets. He didn't believe the Thunder would do it, but Sam Presti told him. Presti's lips now are sealed, but sources from both parties said that the Thunder appealed one final time to Harden on Friday, upped its offer to fifty-three million over four years, but told Harden if he didn't take it, he would be traded to Houston. And there's there's definitely uh, different opinions on how much the final offer was. Most people think it was like fifty-four point five. And and there's the detail about him telling Harden you have an hour to decide what you want to do.
1: Yeah, it's very and then they trade in Harden. Yeah. But
2: but I think that's good context too. Whether whether these sources are telling the truth or not. But the idea that Harden was shocked and whether he was devastated or not, we'll see because he immediately got a five year deal that he could not have gotten with the Thunder because Westbrook and KD were already on five year deals. Right. Which which the league had to like let them like grandfather them into that. Yeah. Having the two. And so it was never going to be possible with James Harden. They could never offer him the years, which now, like you think about free agents, it's the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Where like it's always the the local team who can offer the extra year. Mm -hmm. Back then it was every other team, all twenty nine other teams could offer Harden an extra year. The Thunder could not. Every other team could offer James Harden more if he was traded than the Oklahoma City Thunder.
1: Yeah, it's pretty it's, – it's very backwards.
2: <laughs> um, okay, you want to go to some of the reactions?
1: Yes. Yeah, I read a bunch of these this morning.
2: So, Daryl Morey, listen, he – he. I mean, obviously, he nailed this. This trade made his career.
1: Yeah, this is the reason why he has this job with the Sixers is like this trade almost alone. But.
2: He knew, he knew from the second he made the trade. He did.
1: And he was and I'm sure if you look at statistical models and everything, like Harden. Oh, I'm like, sure
2: Harden was incredible in all those models. Because so his, his quote
1: his efficiency is just outrageous. Yeah.
2: They asked him what he thought about the trade. He said, shocked. I actually can't come up with any examples of a player of his caliber and age getting traded at the time he was traded. It really has never happened happened. So we were obviously very aggressive and we gave up a lot. Oklahoma City does a great job. We gave up some great players in Kevin and Jeremy and some great draft picks. But a top player like James really never gets traded, so we jumped at the chance. I actually didn't think they'd trade him. I think he's a great, great player. I think he's already playing at an all-star level and is going to be a perennial all-star, and those players are rarely traded. So I thought, frankly, it was going to work out there. I'm very happy for, happy for the Houston Rockets that he's here.
1: Yeah.
2: He, and and you, you, you juxtapose that with Ted Leonsis, who like doesn't want to do it, or Lon Babby, right? Like, or, or Zach Lowe, even in some of his his uh, trade ideas, like Daryl Moore, You have to give him credit. He knew from the day he traded for him. This is, I think, this is a perennial All Star. Yeah. Now he, he didn't. He might not have known that he was going to be like MVP caliber, mm-hmm. but he knew what he was getting in that trade.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he did, and he was right. You know, and the Thunder screwed up. <laughs> right. the thunder. I mean, this is the biggest <laughs> screw up. And like, and this is the reason. Like, if you don't think Sam is a good GM, like you can point to this, you know. And like, I don't know how you really could think that he's not good. Like, he's very good at what he does. But this is like the biggest gaff of his career.
2: Uh, so I found a a Royce Young quote mm-hmm. because I, I think there's one thing I will say is reading over reactions to this trade, it was way more mixed than I remembered. Yeah. Every no one said it was a bad deal for Houston. Everyone thought Houston did amazing. Yeah. But in terms of the return, a lot of people felt like that was a pretty good return for the Thunder and I found multiple articles of people who if they didn't love the deal, they at least thought it was like solid. Yeah. However, Royce Young from the jump knew that this was like a big deal and and was anti this trade. So he said the Thunder can't compete financially with the big boys. They can't keep their own players. They can't re-sign a 23-year-old star that's just coming into his own and was a key piece on a championship-caliber team. Instead, they had to deal him away to try and spare some money in the future. It makes me wonder, if OKC can't do that, what does the long-term future hold for this franchise? If they're willing to let a player like Harden get away over $4.5 million, does that give great confidence going forward? It's a wake-up moment. The Jeff Green deal was big and wild, but it was also necessary. This wasn't. And
1: yeah, listen, we
2: it. didn't know... We didn't know everything at the time in terms of the the behind-the-scenes thing. But I think that opinion was very common. And that was the way I felt at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, we didn't have to do this. This was not necessary. Why did we do this? And the deal that came back, I would argue at the time, I didn't feel like there was a blue-chip asset coming back. It was the Toronto pick that you were just like, okay. But even that, it wasn't like you got an unprotected pick. There wasn't... Like, when you think about trades today... Yeah. Like, you would get something back that you were like, this is, like, the crown jewel of this trade. Well, we got and, a, like, like, yeah...
1: HGA or, like, whatever unprotected picks or whatever, yeah.
2: The fact that the best thing you got back was a top three protected trade. So, it's, it's keeping you... Like, if something magical happens with the Raptors and they jump up in the top three, you're not even going to benefit from it. Yeah. And then I just wasn't a huge... I didn't really have, like, a strong opinion on Jeremy Lamb. And the yeah. fact that he you know, went in the late lottery. It's not like he was some like high lottery pick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People were excited about him, but he actually hadn't, I mean, he hadn't played obviously. So like no one really knew.
1: Yeah. It felt like a solid deal. It didn't feel like the Paul George trade or something even close to that. And even trades have changed so much since then. Like people didn't give up five first rounders and pick swaps and all that stuff. Like, Right, you know, and and it's funny enough. Like Sam has like been the one to like change that, you know, like demanding as much as he did in the Paul George trade has kind of changed the way that teams trade picks. Like in that, Rudy, oh, I mean, the, it, the Rudy Gobert one was like is like the antithesis. Of like, or it's not the antithesis. It's the it's like the the big example of like how Presty has changed the way that trades are done. Yeah, I mean you look at Paul
2: George trade, Russell Westbrook trade. I mean those returns were even the Russell Westbrook trade where you have to take back at the time what was seen as like a very bad contract in Chris Paul. Like those picks that you got back, like dwarf what you got back in the James Harden trade. Like the fact that you're getting like two picks and two swaps. People didn't even talk about swaps back then. Yeah. Like, they weren't even entering into the conversation. So yeah. it was purely about picks.
1: And if Sam knew then what he knows now, you just wonder how he would have like Actually, executed a trade, or if it would have been with Houston, or who, like, how he would have done it. Because, you know, I think that he understands, like, the leverage that he, like, the Thunder still had leverage then, because it's like, okay, either you trade for him now, or I'm just going to keep him. And we're going to wait this right. out into a restricted free agency. You know, like, that's. that's I know, by the way, we're, we're going to wait it out for a team
2: that just made the finals. Right. Like, it's not like it was a bad option. Like, you can talk about all the chemistry stuff that seem to be going on behind the scenes. At the same time, those guys made the
1: finals. Something they have not done since. Then yes. So exactly. And and they didn't have a you know, and the Westbrook goes down in round one, if like you still had Harden, like then you're like magically still okay. You know, you still have (laughs) two superstars.
2: That would that would have been the most shocking outcome is if Harden stays, Westbrook gets hurt and then you see what it would look like yeah. with Harden and KD in a playoffs.
1: If if we got Houston Harden in that playoffs, yep. like that would have been. Then you're just like <laughs> whoever they're playing. Obviously, they're not playing Houston and Patrick Beverly. But if something still happens, you know, during that right, season, right, right. and you get to see an extended like Kevin Durant, James Harden, like you're just like oh, and that's and that's maybe like where things flip. Where you're like, okay, maybe we just need to trade Russell Westbrook instead of this guy. <laughs> You know, <laughs>
2: Andrew, even this many years later, you're still whispering it. You don't want to say it. I mean, maybe we going to
1: trade. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if you look back, that probably should have been the move just because like Harden and KD would just fit together. And I know that they just had this like big divorce in Brooklyn, and maybe that does happen. But like young Harden and KD was just a better fit just because of the shooting period.
2: Well, not only that, but it also solves your money <clears> issue. Yeah, because true. you're getting off of a massive contract, and you're kind of resetting the timeline a little bit in terms of your luxury tax.
1: And you think about trades and like how much Sam has gotten in trades. Like, think about what he could have gotten for a guard that had just made All NBA. I know we're talking about
2: Harden's value as like a six man of the year, like on a on a Finals team. Yeah, like Westbrook was already multi-time All Star, multi All NBA yeah. guy. What do you get?
1: I mean, what what could you have gotten then? Like, you could have gotten. I don't know. A lot. I don't know. I mean, could have gotten a, a lot. lot. You know, you could have gotten a lot. And really, the best outcome still is just trying to keep those guys and just like trying one more time. They just made the freaking finals. And you got to try it at least one more time. And they didn't. We needed a last dance. That is ins. I mean, it is insane to think about it because. You you make the finals and then you immediately change the team, and we don't have all. We weren't in the room, like we didn't know. We don't know all the details, but it it is it is one of the more massive mistakes. And if and if Westbrook doesn't get hurt, they probably make the finals again. Like I totally get that, but like I said, if you still have Harden on the team and you lose Westbrook, you're probably still okay. You screwed up so badly, not running it back at least one more time. And that's why, like, if
2: I could ask Sam Presti one question, it would be to rank these three things in terms of the the role they played in the hardened trade. One, the luxury tax concerns, which everyone brings up. Yeah. Two, the chemistry concerns, which I feel like most people outside of Oklahoma City never bring up. And then the third one was, how good did he actually think the Houston trade package was? Because that's the other thing. Yeah. Like, did he think that trade package was so good that he had to make the trade when he did? Right as opposed to waiting, you know, into the season or even the following off season, When, who knows, potentially that Toronto pick is the number four pick. And is Houston still willing to trade it? They probably would have been. But, like, whatever. Definitely. Like, I-, I would love to know how much of a factor each of those played in the Harden trade.
1: Especially knowing how bad that draft is,
2: too. I know. I wonder if we do that going in. I mean, I know we knew it that summer, but, like, the previous year... Of that draft cycle, was that already being looked at as like, oh, this is going to be a terrible draft? We didn't have the draft coverage we have now. We, so we don't,
1: but I think the, the GMs have to know that. I mean, you look at that 2013 draft, it's about as bad as it gets. Like, who's the best? The best player in that draft is probably Vic. No, well, it's obviously Giannis, but like. An <laughs> oh, excep-
2: Andrew, close one.
1: That's an exception but like the best player picked in the lottery is yeah, it's, CJ it's McCollum Depot
2: and CJ. Yeah.
1: Like in an average draft those are probably like the fourth or fifth best guys.
2: And honestly it's not even that those guys were the good players in this draft. It's how bad the other players were oh. in this draft. Like guys who just did not like Anthony Bennett just like did not have a career no like guys like ben macklemore who's been at the end of rotations okay. alex Lynn, end of rotations cody, cody zeller, zeller trey burke like all these guys it's not even that they're just like fine rotation players it's that they're like end of the bench guys for the majority of their career
1: yeah it's i mean it was an epically bad draft and they got a good player in stephen adams like you have to give them credit because there were just landmines everywhere in that draft where teams that have these high picks like the jazz like oh great like the jazz traded up to get trey burke and you're like, oh, like, cool move. Like, oh, great. You just traded for a guy who's a third guard, third point guard on a team. Like, great job.
2: Um, I want to close with something that uh, will make you laugh. Okay. I, I tweeted this out. Ben Golver in his uh, trade review, which, which he, he did give the Thunder like a B plus or something. He said, mm-hmm. the picks, especially Toronto's top three protected first rounder, are just icing on the cake. Did you think it was almost unfair for the Thunder to get Perry Jones the third in this year's draft? If the Raptors head to the lottery and don't move up to the top 3, OKC could be in position to take a blue chipper like Alex Pothras or Archie Goodwin. Ugh. Now that's unfair. Well, that's that's unfair. why I think like it's hard to judge that draft in October of 2012 because yeah. those were the guys people were talking about. True. And and those guys ended up I mean Archie Goodwin I think went at the end of the first he round, 29th.
1: Yeah. Is it how do you say Pothris, Pothris. I don't know. I've read that name a lot in my time. i don't never I don't think I've ever tried to say it.
2: Oh, it's it's pronounced Poithris. 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 I'm on Basketball Reference. Poithris. Alex Poithris. Yeah, he he was eventually uh actually he he was undrafted. He played in the league for mm-hmm. 3 years, but he was mm-hmm. not drafted that following mm-hmm. season. So, like, yeah, that, that draft class, like, fell off a cliff. If, if the two guys Ben Golliver knew from the draft were, like, barely in the conversation in 12 months.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like a BJ Boston situation. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Andrew, what, do, what is your grade for the 2012 offseason? F. F. You, they, it's, I mean, that's, it's a, it is the failure of the franchise. Like, that's the, I don't think that, and you can try to sugarcoat it all you want, but you can't sugarcoat trash, you know? I, uh, I am going to add a little sugar to it, Andrew. I'm
2: going to give it a D minus. Okay. And the only reason I'm not giving it an F is because now I know that he was in contact with the Phoenix Suns and whatever deal possibly could have come back from the Suns would have somehow been worse. Than the Rockets.
1: So just knowing that was a possibility. Yeah. I'll give it a D minus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, it's just the fact that you didn't have to do it then is what You did not have to do it. You could have delayed it and given yourself like one more season to like see what these guys did. And if I mean to me, if things were that you know when things are so bad that you can't rejoin the group. Like you can, you can tell. You can look at it and see it. When guys are, the three of those guys had their arms around each other at the end of that series in the finals. The NBA friggin' finals had their arms around each other with towels over their head. You you look at that situation from the outside looking in. And it's not a team that you look at and be like, Yeah, this thing is coming apart. I mean, we we saw it with the Jazz, everybody knew that was coming. Whereas like okay, we saw it with Reggie
2: Jackson. Like that's an example saw, yes! of like this is irreconcilable. Yes. This is never going to this work. It's
1: not tenable. Something needs to happen and it needs to happen quickly. That was not what you could see from the outside looking in. It was like, this is not tenable. This is gonna come apart at the seams at some point. It felt like I remember watching that game and seeing those guys with their arms around each other. It felt like the beginning of something. It didn't feel like the end of something, yeah, and it was a it was one of the biggest it was the biggest mistake now, and Sam has proven like over time like he's a great general manager, he made a mistake, like this team that they're building right now, like you should feel very excited about like the the prospects of like what this team like you just got the number two pick and Chet Holmgren, who looks amazing. And, like, with the guys that they have, like, it's it's a very exciting rebuild. Like, there's no doubt. Like, it's one of the more exciting rebuilds in the league in, like, recent history. And so, like, it's great. But still, like, you have to acknowledge this was just a – I mean, if we're trying to grade this summer, it's bad. It's real bad. Well, yeah. And, and you've
2: heard what we've graded the other off seasons. Like, we're coming off a run of, like, I think Andrew gave
1: four out of the five or four, five out of six A's so yeah. far. Yeah, I gave so, like, the Reggie the thing, Jackson summer an A just because they got a great player at twenty four. Yeah, so
2: four of the six, four of the six yeah. off so far have been A's. It was
1: so good. We were
2: this was we bad were new, though. We were due for a bad one, you could say.
1: Yeah, but this one dropped off a cliff. Like it's just, it, it, it was a gut punch. It was like one of like your sports, like it's like a one of your sports pain moments. You know, like you ever, you you've got them no matter what team you follow. You know, this is just one of those moments in time that will just echo for eternity, the Harden trade. And luckily for Thunder fans, like Harden didn't go on to win like a ton of championships and has been moved several times. And like there's, when you say the Harden trade, you have to ask which one, you know. If he went to Houston and won titles, that would have been bad. Even if he went to the Nets and like that Nets team with Durant, like like wins all these NBA titles, I think you're just like feel a little bit sick to your stomach about it. But, you know... It, it hadn't happened for him, you know, and that's part of, like, what, you know, so, something bad happening for somebody else is what can make you feel better. Like, that's that's the situation <laughs> that we're in.
2: So, uh, next week when we return, we're going to be talking about all the summers where they were trying to now, you know, find those pieces. Just find a few more pieces to fit around KD and Russ. <laughs> we have our team now. Can we just find... A few more guys.
1: Yeah, stay tuned to find out if we did. Andrew, stay tuned. Stay tuned to uh, talk about Andre Robertson's shooting form for the next uh, few weeks. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Um, if this has been painful for you, we just want to apologize. That uh, yeah, we probably should. Have, I mean,
2: it'll be in the it'll be in the title. If people don't want to listen, yeah, yeah. don't want to. Uh, the title of this YouTube
1: video right now is the Harden trade. So. You're, people know what you're, they're getting into. Yeah, we've had less people on the stream just be probably because of that title <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, uh thanks so much for tuning in. Please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com, search down to Dunk, hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell, and you get notifications on when we go live. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. Also, you can go to down go to theathleticcom Dunk and get the athletic for $1 a month for 6 months. We appreciate you guys listening and uh, for watching. And we will talk to you guys again on Friday.